Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends and very distinguished listeners to Navigate with ID, your business school on radio. Such an honor and privilege to share with you today as we continue our journey on the business of enterprise and specifically looking at the biggest leverage point in business, which is marketing. In previous episodes, we've talked about the marketing journey and how that marketing journey morphs into a marketing process. And that journey involves a before, a during, and an after. In the course of our conversation so far within the before phase, which has to do with prospecting and having prospects for our business or for the businesses or goods and services we have, we've looked at the various dimensions. And here we are, we are going to look at the place of reaching these prospects with advertising. The big question is, do you understand the place of advertising? And does advertising truly have a place and a say in building an enterprise? The answer is yes. The question is, so why do many people shy away from it? The answer to that is because on one hand, There is the return on investment game, that is, the amount spent and what I get back. Many people look at advertising as, I sow, I reap immediately. But that's not the nature of that terrain. It's not the nature of that particular platform. Neither is it the nature of their scope called advertising. Advertising media is a vehicle you will use to reach your target market and communicate your message. You know, we talked about having a target market and specifically in this dispensation and in the penultimate program, I did tell you about niche marketing, that I stand so much for niching. And if you create a niche, and you are able to drive that niche, then you know you've zeroed in on a particular target market, but then what is your message? Remember, we are talking about the prospects. These are people that have no idea who you are, what you represent, what you're selling. They just need to know you from a point of view of a freshman or fresh eyes, fresh ears, fresh knowledge. Now, advertising media is typically the most expensive component of marketing to a large extent. So it needs to be very carefully selected and managed to ensure you get a good return on investment, what we will term as ROI. And so what does this entail? It entails quite a bit. And in the course of this series, I will touch on just a few elements of the advertising media available. And today, you know, there's traditional and there's digital, and then there's the rest. Now, we will touch on some of them, 
and just be able to say what you need to do in different respects. One of the old-time marketing greats, uh, Wanamaker, did say something about advertising. He said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which is half and which half. Now, this could have been something that was said a century ago. That is over 100 years ago. When it was first said, it was a crime to say that. You know, it should be a crime to say that today, clearly. Not with the advent of the tracking of advertising, not with the advent of digital media. The reality is that most small businesses do little, if nothing, called tracking of advertising. Do they really advertise in the first place? The answer is possibly no. Now, if you are a micro small business, the tendency is that you'll say to yourself, I don't need advertising. But you don't need to be like the big players. You do need advertising. You need do need to take and bring your business to a place where people get to know what you serve, what you do, what you manufacture, what you're presenting to your audience, your customers, your consumers. So not measuring or getting a sense of where your leads and your sales will come from and not tracking your return on investment is truly the mark of someone who is either ignorant or an amateur. And then today with technology, we know that technology gives us a disposition to quickly, easily, and cheaply track advertising effectiveness, especially when we talk about social media marketing or within the broader frame, digital marketing. And so when you look at analytics, today there are website analytics, there are a number of analytics that help people walk through the trajectory of what gets measured gets managed. And this is very key because media is far, by far the most expensive component typically in the marketing spend. It is that place, it is that bridge that connects your offer to your audience, that is your target market. Whether you are using traditional media like radio, television, print, or outdoor, as we call it, or out of home, as they call it, or the new and more purposeful digital media like social media, search engine optimization, SEO, email marketing, one needs to understand the idiosyncrasies of each one. And it's truly going to be well beyond the scope of what we can take in this program. However, I want you to understand that it is pertinent and it's very, very compulsory that you hire experts that specialize in whatever media you decide is right for your campaign. They are worth every penny and weight in gold. Don't try to do it yourself, especially when it comes to the most expensive part of your marketing process. What you don't know will hurt you. Whether you are using online media like social, email, or web, or offline media like direct mail, print, radio, each one has its own idiosyncrasies and technicalities that you are 
highly likely to mess up if you are not experienced with it. So, to avoid that tragedy, I'm saying to you that it will be a tragedy to get the target market and the offer right and then have your campaign flop simply because you messed up a technical detail in the course of your prep or media to be utilized. Very many times there are questions that are asked. What is the best response that can come from a particular media? So, for example, direct mail. What's a good response rate for direct mail? What kind of open rate should I expect when I'm doing email marketing? The truth is, I'm going to tell you very bluntly that if you send out, I'm making this up, 100 mails, it is better that you expect a 20% open rate for email. That is, out of the 100 mails you send out, maybe 20 will come back by way of response. Now, if you send out a direct mail, the chances are you could get a 2% response rate. It varies. Now, these questions are real. They come from well-meaning business owners or people who are in the micro, small segments who are yet to build their own marketing infrastructure. They are not like the big brands. They are not like the big companies. What I'll say to you always is that you must understand, again, the intricacies and idiosyncrasies and technicalities of each medium. Everyone carries something. And if you don't know, you don't know. You know, sometimes a 50% response rate could be a disaster. And sometimes a 0.1% response rate could be a massive success. Response rates, they vary dramatically depending on factors such as how relevant the message is to the target market, how compelling the offer could be, and how the individual or the business has come about the list of supposed people that they are marketing to. So rather than you asking what a good response rate is, I'll prefer you asking how do I measure the success of my marketing campaign. How? The how is the elephant in the room. And this comes, especially in our climb here, with a lot of challenge. And it is an increasing challenge how to measure the success of a marketing campaign. Like I said earlier, down our days with the digital spectrum, it is easier to get some form of feedback by way of returns, but you need to continue on this trajectory for a while and be able to see the necessary impact on the variables you are trying to look for. Sometimes people just think that when they run their campaign, instantly their sales will go up. doesn't work that way. You may understand what it takes for you to get some output, but you don't understand the process of the output you will fail in that responsibility. Let me break it down to brass tacks. Why are you making this campaign? Because you want prospects to know that your business, your good, your service is for them. And so what will be the measure of success? Is it about awareness? How do you know? 
and how will you track that people are certainly aware that this service or good or item that you're producing is there? You could start by saying to yourself, I want to set out a situation where I have at least 1,000 people will try, will try my product. And so I take a line in the sand and I cordon off an area. Say I take an area like Ikeja. Ikeja is quite big. So what you say to yourself is, since I cannot cover the totality of Ikeja, I would like to cover a particular aspect in Ikeja. And that's talking from a traditional standpoint. Now, getting into that traditional standpoint, clearly you may not go on radio and you may go on radio. So if you go on radio, you'll be looking at a wider spectrum of the audience. So if you're on radio and depending on the type of product you're selling or producing or service you're providing, you need to look for the station that will necessarily you know, deliver to that audience, which will be in sync with yours. So if, for instance, you are selling black soup, and this black soup is one in which needs to go to the suburbs or the likes, the areas like Agege, Munshi, and Co., you will be wasting your time if you go to an upmarket radio station to plug your ads. But then you need to go to a a Yoruba-speaking station that produces Yoruba programs and really caters for that segment of listeners and ultimately align with your audience. The same way you've done this, you can put in a trivia. And the trivia could be that the on-air personality, as we call them OAPs, could take a hype for a week and then there are questions that will be given out. And the questions will be around your product, your brand, your, your service, or whatever you're offering. And then you offer some reward. Now, the feedback from that could also give you a sense of how many people are aware of the campaign you've taken on the ground and they know about your product. Response rates differ dramatically. That's why I said, it depends on a lot of factors. Let, let me give you a simple analogy I always sit with. Right from my days as a young brand manager, I've always seen communication within the military parlance. And so I just believe that functional and what I call consumer marketing in taking on advertising is almost like the Air Force. So you have the Air Force, and if they're going to war, you need the Air Force. And what do they do of necessity? The planes fly above the usual normal uh, environment and altitude. And what do they do? They circle in on a particular area, and then the bombs go. Now, they're able to focus on the enemy from 30, 20,000 feet and zero in on at certain level, maybe 10,000 feet, to drop the shells. And when they drop the shells, the bombs go off. Now, is it enough to use only the Air Force to wage a war? The answer is no. And this is where you will need the infantry. The infantry, which will be the army, 
will now have to move in to be able to capture that territory. So if you're trying to capture the mines, if you take that as a simulation or an analogy, and you want to capture the minds of your customer, consumer, or prospects. So imagine that, just take it that your traditional media will play the role of the Air Force. They have to drop those missiles and because the battle is for the mind of the consumer. Now, at times like this, when things are really tough and um, there's a lot of down trading, see, the economy is challenged and the pockets or rather the disposable income of our people would necessarily be challenged equally. So the big question is, what do we do? What do you expect? You expect a lot of down trading. Down trading, if people were buying five loaves of bread in a week, then know that they're going to downtrade to probably two, if not three, or run away from that category totally. This is the kind of time you want to assess the essence of your marketing campaign. So do you continue to focus on driving stuff at the upper level or you want to focus at the lower level? Where I'm talking here, I'm talking more operationally or you want to go more strategically. And that's the essence of a marketing campaign. Because if you go with my analogy of having the Air Force and the infantry, this is probably time when you need the boots on the ground. But not just the boots on the ground, they need the ammunition, the ammo. It will be the offer. What are you using as a tool to entice me as your customer or consumer to consider you? I mean, I was reading um, an article or a note from a friend of mine in East Africa, Kenya specifically, and they were talking about how the economy of Kenya is very challenged. Pretty much we're having the same challenge like we have in Nigeria. They're having the same challenge as we have in Nigeria. Similarly, in Ghana, too, has a different challenge. Inflation has gone out of whack, and the prices of goods are escalating by the, by the second. And so what is happening, there's a lot of down trading. Consumers are now taking off and doing some other things and taking off with some other products that they consider to produce what they want and, in other words, give them an alternative. Let me give you an example. One of some things I understand is thriving very much in Kenya and then is the fact that the insecticides that you and I know, the typical insecticides that we use, you know, to wade off mosquitoes and insects, that a lot of consumers now and people at home level are, are being bamboozled by those that are into horticulture. There are some great horticulturists who now plant flowers or determine a certain type of flower that provides that service. All you need to do is have it in your room and it becomes an anti-insect, anti-mosquito. And what is happening, they would rather invest in a plant than go buy an insecticide because the insecticides have hit the roof. 
So what then happens to those that are producing insecticides? They cannot manufacture at the normal price because inflation has kicked in. And so what happens to their business? Do they still go advertising? And if advertising to who? Who will buy? There's a lot of down trading. Consumers are saying, for a can of this insecticide I used to buy at X you know, shillings, now I'm buying at X plus two shillings. Can I continue? The answer is no. And so it's very important that we, in measuring the success of a marketing campaign, you must also have the shortcut answer to what the environment speaks to and what the essence of the phase means to you. If you are in the phase of prospecting now, you may not necessarily go the full hog. That's why we are talking about other aspects of advertising media that can be made available. Now, return on investment is key. If you ever sit on a space just like a normal business, then that you spend so much money and you do not get the returns, then you probably see it as a failure. But if it costs you less and then you're making more profits on the long run, as a result of this particular campaign that you've taken on, then you can consider it a success. Now, many people will argue and say that even a campaign that lost money was valuable because it got your name out there and it got you into that branding space. Now, that is for the mega brands. Mega brands, the big brands. They are the ones that can take on that kind of heat for you, micro, small, and I dare say medium. You can't afford to burn hundreds of thousands of Naira on fuzzy marketing just to get your name out there. No. So rather than getting your name out there, you will fare much better by concentrating on getting the name of your prospects in here. Now, I like to think of your marketing dollars as your firepower. You know, I talked about your ammo. So here is the time when we are going on an operational marketing exercise. You need to use your limited firepower, that is your resources wisely, so that you can successfully hunt, come home, very victorious, and feed your family. It's the way the hunter goes out to hunt game. He knows that he probably has two pellets in his gun, in his Dane gun, and he cannot afford to shoot the two anyhow. So he must make sure that his eyes are totally on the target and that particular game that he's hunting must be within sight because he cannot afford to lose the two pellets. Or you may call them bullets. And if he goes loses the two, what happens? What is the return on investment? Zero. He's just going to walk back and what will happen? The cycle kicks in, he fails to be victorious, and his family does not get fed. But imagine if this guy is able to use his firepower wisely. So, the family, he hunts, he comes home victorious, and then he's able to feed the family. That is exactly how successful and limited firepower come understanding of your advertising media works.
you don't go on a random fire in every direction. You will scare off your prey. Like the hunter, if he just goes and begins to do pow, 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 with limited bullets, all of them will run away. So at that stage, it tends to put everyone away and it doesn't come back with any returns. That's exactly what fuzzy marketing does. But I'll tell you something. The game of mass marketing or branding or getting your name out there type of marketing can only be won with the big atomic bomb scale firepower. But if you are micro, small to medium, that's not your game. You are not equipped to play in that category. So we're going to look at that critically when we get back on the second half. Don't go away. It's still the business school on radio. We just want to pay some bills. We'll be right back. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, friends. It's still Navigate with ID, your business school on radio. And we're looking at the subject of um, advertising media, reaching our prospects with advertising. And this really sits within our business and enterprise scenario where we are looking at how we drive the business of enterprise. And um, specifically looking at the micro, small, and medium enterprises and saying to them, what do we need to do in order to take out our businesses, our goods, our services out there, especially at a time like this. Our country, and indeed Africa, needs 95% of this elite small group to bring the sheaves home. It's not the big corporations that will drive growth in Africa or Nigeria. It's the small, micro, medium enterprises. They are the ones. And that's why we are investing time to be able to teach and to share with as many of you out there. Some of you are on a typical nine-to-five job, but you also have a small hustle on the side. That small hustle is going to contribute something, not just to you, but to the society and ultimately to the nation. That's hoping, too, that you do get to pay your taxes as required. But if you don't, then... We're just moving in virtuous circle in one side, and then it becomes vicious on the other side. And so let's look at how we can equip ourselves. And so we're saying that in this phase where you're really looking at prospects, that you need to be very guarded in terms of where and what you need to spend your marketing dollars on for advertising. So when you're talking about taking on advertising so people can know who you are and what you represent. You cannot afford to just make it a mass marketing game. No. You need to focus on a typical but limited space with limited firepower. It's almost taking on the analogy of a hunter who just has two pellets in his day and gone. You cannot afford to be wasteful you can't afford to go on a mass shooting spree. And so you need to be specific and you need to move with all manner of tax to be able to bring back the game. In the business balance, we call it return on investment. To the hunter, it's called return on investment. And what is that? When he carries this animal on his shoulder and he brings it back home and then the family is able to roast, eat, and be merry. Now, sometimes this becomes 
a question of front-end, back-end, and also going through the process of the lifetime value of a customer. So what exactly do we mean when we talk about a customer's lifetime value? For example, if we take our entire marketing budget and then we put it into a campaign, and in that campaign, there obviously we are able to get some traction. So we will make some money, which is redirected back to the marketing as marketing investment as a result of the campaign. And then the customer, we then have that customer, that one customer or two or five or 10 or 100 continue to buy from us down the track. That totally brings in and changes the economics of the campaign. That campaign that you consider a winning campaign or a success is one that enhances the frequency of consumption or purchase consistently. Now, to, we need to take into account how much we will likely make on a customer over their entire tenure with us. And it's predictably possible. You can choose to say that I have 100 customers. And if I do everything I do well, I would like to retain at least 80% of them. That means 80 out of my 100 should be on retention with me. And if it, these 80 buy my product once a day for the next five years, this is how much value will come to me. Now, that is not to say that the 20% that I've left would have left and I'll not make any effort to get them back. That's not it. There must be a place for recruitment. So because of what we call attrition, attrition tells you that at some point, some people will drop off. Now to replace those ones that have dropped off, you need to recruit. So your campaign must continuously do that job of recruiting. And whilst you bring other factors in, you are able to retain the customers and ultimately down the road, you'll then find and begin to excavate the thought of having a lifetime value customer. Now, a campaign that looked like a loser can in fact become a winner when you take into account the lifetime value of a customer. So many times people just take it one off and say, this campaign is not working, pull it. They are pulling out misery. They're pulling out a value that would have been on a continuous basis. So if you look at it from a different lens, and that lens being the lifetime value lens, you realize that that particular supposed losing aspect or campaign can actually bring in a lot of customers down the road because of the persistence. And this persistence is what makes a difference. I remember then when I used to work at Samsung and it was our technology business where we sold laptops, um, printers, and et cetera. It might sometimes be very boring because printers are not going to move at the pace that laptops move. And so you might sell printers that require refills and then you then realize that one customer will buy repeatedly. Now, that customer will buy repeatedly because he probably runs a business center. 
while some other customer just has it in his house. And the rate at which he's going to use the printer and the refill, of course, you know that the ink will run at the rate of usage. So which of these two customers would you do everything to ensure that you keep him or her in your stable? It's, of course, the one that comes daily, not the one that comes every three months. And so you can repeatedly just say to yourself, I need to put something in there. That is where the front end and the back end economics come in to help you establish your lifetime value for your customer. The same thing goes with a car. A car that requires servicing and then you have a good garage, trust me, you will find that that particular customer will keep coming back because there are certain things that you do right in your garage. Now, you may also look at it and say to yourself that I can make this amount of money from this campaign if I invest it at the front end. So the money we make up front on a campaign is known as the front end. The money we make on subsequent purchases is known as the back end. Together, these figures make up the lifetime value of a customer. So whenever you look at this whole space about reaching prospects with advertising media, the lifetime value and customer acquisition cost are two of the key numbers you need to know to measure your marketing effectiveness. The other statistics like response rates, conversion rates, uh, in themselves are a bit technical and may not be able to give you the right answers. Why? Because if you take this, for example, that you have 100 people tried your product for the first time, and then out of this 100, you have about, say, 50% of them adopted it and then began to use it. Now, there's a usage pattern depending on the type of product you have. If it's a beverage, for instance, you must look at a situation where this person must try to drink you daily. So you have daily drinkers, you have weekly drinkers, you have monthly drinkers. If somebody is a monthly drinker, meaning he or she probably takes one or two units in a month. Wow. That is a customer, but that person cannot be compared to someone who takes two units every week. That person can never be compared to someone who takes two units every day. So you would then see that it's easier to look through the lens of the conversion rates in that way. Because if you have these 100 customers locked in your space, a month or two or three after, you want to find out how many of them are still doing business with you. You want to find out how many of them are still coming to the store. You want to find out how many of them are still able to pitch with what you want. That essentially is the kind of math you go through to talk about the conversion rates. If for any reason you find that out of the 80 people that are the 100 you had of which you retained 80, now this 80, after three months, you barely could trace 10, what then happens? It tells you something is wrong. So it's very important that people that are in business must understand how 
they are able to track the lifetime value and customer acquisition strategy based on the kind of costs or investments they want to make. Now, this looks like a masterclass. One of these days, and part of what I'm thinking in, in my head is to have a proper masterclass for one or two days for those who would like to sit down and let's talk about these things live. This is a business school. This is given to those who may not have the opportunity of going to a formal business school that they can't afford it, neither to can they also invest in it, or to others who typically would like the education but cannot also afford it. And so, thanks to Lego Stocks and um, Corporate Shepherds, and of course, Amstel Malta, we are bringing all of that to you to help you navigate through the times and make sure that the business of enterprise becomes something you do well. We talked about the front end, the back end, and the lifetime customer. Let me break down something. Whenever you want your prospects to stay, especially if you're tracking, if you don't know what those numbers, either response rates or conversion rates are, and if you don't know what they are in your business, then you don't have any business measuring and making your marketing accountable. You know what you need to do? You now need to look at how you can test, measure, and improve your numbers in order to build a business that is growing or what we consider a high-growth business. What this tells you is that you need to look at your front-end offer. And that is the offer that gets seen by prospects. That is, those who are not yet your customers. Remember I said, it's important that you keep recruiting and retaining. The prospects are people who don't know you and have no reason to like or trust you. In general, the goal of your front-end offer is to create a customer and make enough profit from the first transaction to at least cover the customer acquisition cost. It's very, very sustainable in order to keep your advertising. Let me tell you where the real profit comes. The real profit comes or is made on the back end. Where is the back end? Through repeat purchases by existing customers. So if you start a campaign, and because you are not seeing traction now, you cut it off, you've denied yourself the opportunity of extracting value from the back end because the real profit is in the future, not now. Now, I must say this, that very many people run foul of this. Part of it is because of a lack of understanding. The other part is because they go, they're a bit more negative or there's a bit of frenzy, especially in a season like now. I believe that a lot of companies are going through some very challenging, robust conversations. Management is putting pressure on the commercial team. The commercial team is under this spell of we need to deliver. Everybody wakes up and thinks of delivery, delivery, delivery. And delivery is the numbers. Someone has to buy. So they are force-fitting all kinds of things. Now, I'll tell you something. If your front-end offer is not seen by the prospects, by new people to, that will come in, there's no way you can enjoy the back-end. 
the people that are currently in also want something that will keep them running. And so it's important that at this point in time, companies, brands, uh, those providing goods and services should revert to the bouquet of offerings they are making, especially the ones that they are throwing out through the advertising media, whether you're using traditional or social or digital media. Because there's a lot of negativity in the air. The problem is that if you don't know your numbers, you might lose a lot more. Sometimes it makes sense to go negative. That is losing money on the front end because you know for certain you'll make it up and more on the back end. That's what I call investing ahead of demand. But not many people have the lever or the guts to do this. It's often the case with businesses like a subscription business or businesses that have a high lifetime value. Those that have been there for a long time, they can still take that risk. They will take the risk and say, what, what? we've seen this before. But again, it's all telling on how long and how well. So you don't have to look at the other person and follow that person. If you don't know your numbers, if you don't understand your conversion rates, it can be a risky strategy. Just stick to the goal of having your front-end pay for your customer acquisition cost until you have a good handle on your lifetime value numbers. You know, this specifically for me goes to the financial services. A lot of banks today are running retail. They're running a retail business. But one thing you find is they don't want to sustainably keep the front end open. They're not ready to keep the front end offer continuously. They pull it out at the slightest point and they say, what's happening? We are not seeing traction here. Two things are there. Number one, management is too hasty and management is under pressure. When management is under pressure, management becomes hasty. And when management is hasty, management will make the wrong call or wrong decisions. And so the foot soldiers, sometimes, because they find management under pressure, they start doing stuff that will be anti what should actually be a better offer to prospects, and they don't reap the benefits therefrom. And when the benefits don't come, the return on investments are not seen the plug is pulled. And when the plug is pulled, there's a loss type mentality to say, we'll not do that campaign again. And trust me, when that happens in a business, it takes a lot for them to come back with such a proposition or proposal in future. Typically, what you find is that people are afraid because once upon a time, they tried it and it didn't work. They tried it and it bumped. They tried it and it didn't come through. So what? why do you think this time around it will work? It wouldn't work if you've never tried and it wouldn't work if you don't have the right mindset. Everything and all things connect. You need to connect the dots and ask yourself, what exactly am I going to do differently and what do I need to do to make this work? So the front end, the back end and the lifetime value of a customer is very critical. We must, as um, folks that are into enterprise, understand that it's a must-do, a must-take-on, and a must-put-together. Otherwise, we'll be failing 
to understand why the business is not making any traction when it comes to our what I call our prospects. Prospects are extremely key. Prospects make all the difference. And without you having a good knack on prospects, the time will, of essence, become a thing of the past. So I'm saying to you, friends, that this would be, um, as much as possible, we are looking at the business of enterprise. We also must look at ourselves and say to ourselves, what is that singular motion that we need to do differently? And that brings me to the big question, is social media a cure-all? Without a doubt, the internet and social media, media breakthroughs, they are. They have helped us to democratize information and have made it possible for us to have unprecedented level of connectedness. However, there's also a lot of hype that surrounds these forms of new media, as they are often referred to. Especially with all the hype that surrounds social media, you would imagine it was a marketing cure-all. It is not. Many self-proclaimed social media gurus would have you believe that social media is the future of all marketing and that if you're not dedicating most or all of your marketing resources to social media, you are what? A Luddite who will soon be out of business. All of this is hype. And of course, with most hype, there's a need to keep a level head in order to separate fact from fiction. Before, you know, any of you would label me as being against social media. Let me set and tell you what I think should be making the record straight. I have been a part and I've used social media in multiple businesses and I continue to do so on, on a regular basis. As a matter of fact, in the year 2000, I was a country manager marketing for Coca-Cola in Kenya. I set up a digital marketing space for the Coca-Cola company. I called it the lifeinred.com. It was a website, and that was the advent of starting to run digital media marketing. I had that website for the brand Cook. with one of the brands that I managed um, within my portfolio across uh, the country. Kenya was the fourth largest market in Africa for Coca-Cola, and it was the first time that we were taking that course of action. And remember, the company had always had its own website dedicated and no one could touch it. But thanks to William Asiko, who was our council general, he got approval from Atlanta and I was able to launch www.lifeinred.com for the brand. And guess what? All the promotions made it possible. If you were having a drink with your family, take a picture and send it to us I had an agency then called Three Mice, run by Paul Dokubo, very many years ago. I'm telling you, 23 years ago. So I'm not speaking to what I don't know, I've not experienced. I can fast forward to now. So I'm just letting you know that when people start hyping that social media, digital media is everything and anything, and you swallow it hook, line, and sinker, you need to be able to separate fact from fiction. And all of that comes when you understand what a successful marketing campaign has to do in its three vital elements that you need to get right. Number one is the market. Number two is the message. And number three is the media. You need to hit all three of these to have a successful campaign. You need to send the right message to the right target market 
through the right media channel. Failing at any one of these three elements will likely cause your marketing campaign to fail. If you understand this framework, it will help put things in context. Social media, by definition, is a form of media. It is not a strategy. The time-tested fundamentals of marketing don't suddenly change just because there's a new type of media that comes along. So it was before, so it will be again. The next thing that you need to ask is, is it the right media for your business? Remember the three things that you need to get right for a successful campaign. Media is just one of them. There are two others. If every type of media has its own type of idiosyncrasies, I've said that in the beginning, and social media is no exception. And there are things you need to be aware of when it comes to social media. Number one, it's not the ideal selling environment. I like to think of social media as a social gathering or a party. We've all been to gatherings where someone, perhaps a member of family or friend, has been bitten by the multi-level marketing bug. You know, where they start their, you know, spiking of the health benefits of these letters, these, that, and they try to sell that to everybody or hoodwink you or recruit others to sell. Sometimes it makes a lot of people uncomfortable because it's a, a bit pushy and very inappropriate sometimes to be making or receiving a sales pitch. That's, that is the way social media is sometimes. It's exactly the same. Overt selling and constant pitching of offers are generally considered poor behavior on social networks and can result in repelling people from your business rather than attracting them to it. However, just like a real-life social gathering, social media is a great place to create and extend relationships that can later turn into something commercial. If there is a good fit, that's the underlying word. One of the most valuable things I see in social media is being able to gauge customer emotions towards your business and engage with vocal customers who offer either praise or complaints in a public forum. Now, a side benefit of this is social proof. Being accessible, responding to criticism or praise, and engaging with your customer builds social proof and makes prospects and customers feel like they are dealing with humans rather than a faceless corporation. Remember, people buy from people. And so, there are two potential traps with social media. Number one, it can be a time suck. It's a time-wasting venture if you don't know how to use it. Feeling like you have to respond to every inane comment can be draining. And it can suck time away from your marketing tasks that can give you a far better return on time and money invested. So, it's important to be disciplined with your use of social media. And number two, which you must take home, is that there's a the question of ownership. Your social media page and profile is actually the property of the social network. So spending huge amounts of time and money building up a profile and audience on these networks ends up building up their assets rather than your own. My preference as much as possible is to build and own my own marketing assets, such as websites, blogs, my list, email lists of customers, and all what I have, and then use social media as a way to drive traffic to my marketing assets. This way, my time, my effort go into renovating my own house rather than that of a landlord who can kick me out at any time. Friends, a good place to put a stop here. Time is of essence. We'll be back as we look at other forms of how to reach our prospects with advertising and media. Thank you and God bless you. Goodbye. 
And that was Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.